begin a new practice, actually, of just beginning with a prayer um, before I begin to. Uh, Heavenly Father, please give us ears to hear your word, and please uh, make my words uh, true and edifying to your people. Amen. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Luke chapter 6, verse 25. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Um, Today's Gospel is very difficult for me to preach on because it challenges and hurts me as a standard to which is a, a challenge. It's something I struggle to live into far more than I succeed in obeying or following. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Um, one of the mistakes I think that is common in our culture is we think of gluttony as only sort of eating to obesity or something like that. Um, but one's weight actually is not an indicator of whether gluttony is a sin or not. Um, and gluttony is a struggle of mine. That, that eating to the point of overfulness. Right? And that's the word the Lord uses, fullness. Woe to you who are full now. So I want to preach about this text as one that challenges me with the hope that it would also challenge you and that we would be challenged together to follow the way of Christ. So just to be clear sort of as to its meaning, woe, a word we don't usually use these days very often, um, isn't the same as cursed. It's not saying cursed are you if you're full now. It's just saying that there's a higher chance of being cursed. And that's a really important difference. It's still a sobering word. Jesus isn't just throwing words around. He's still saying, woe. But it's like he says elsewhere in the Gospels. Um, woe, when he's talking about the very, the very, very last days of the end times, he says, woe to women who are pregnant in those days. Right? It's going to be even harder in that situation. Right? Woe to you who are full now. It's going to be even harder for you when we come before God for judgment. Because the plain meaning is the contrast between this life and the next. Right? Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry in the next life. Just as he had previously said in the blessing, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be full in the next life. Um, and to be spiritually hungry, that's not a picture of heaven. Right? This is the Lord's teaching that we are always presented with, the, with a binary of of roads, a fork in the roads. like Just like we heard in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord and doesn't walk in the way of sinners, in the way of habitual sin, is a paraphrase of that. Um, that there's always this choice between following Christ or not following him, and the ultimate destination of that is hell, spiritual starvation, hunger for eternity. And this isn't an arbitrary punishment. Like God was just like, here's some rules and here's some punishments. Um, Lucy's listening in now to sermons. Sorry, Luke, for calling you out. But, um, the, you know, at home, sometimes when you're guiding a, a young one, you come up with a punishment that's kind of arbitrary. Well, we've got to teach you this rule, so we're going to give you this punishment and time out. And it's not like that. The Lord isn't just sort of throwing out punishments. He's actually just revealing the natural consequence of things. And the picture that comes to mind is one that I can't remember the exact event on which this happened, but I know that it's happened to me at least once, and I wonder if it's ever happened to you. Have you ever been invited to an event and you weren't sure if there was going to be dinner there? 
And so like on route, you stop and get some fast food and you fill up and then you show up and then there's this beautiful feast and you're all full and you're like, oh, and you kind of like try and take a little bit down for like hospitality, and it, but it doesn't even feel good because you're already full on the junk food you ate on the way there. That because you were full, you couldn't enjoy the actual feast of fine food that you were invited to. Am I the only one that's happened to? I didn't see a lot of affirming nods. Well, here I am revealing my struggle with gluttony to you. I get worried if, there's not gonna, if, I don't, if I'm not certain there's going to be food. Um, so there's actually the gospel built into this warning, a woe, right? You hear a woe and you're like, Jesus, this isn't good news. Like, woe. But the good news is that there is a feast that he wants us to feast on, right? The feast of his own, St. Peter is inspired to use the word that we are partakers of the divine nature, right? We're actually engrafted into the living God to feast on the living God in the person of his son, Jesus. So Jesus is always using food metaphors for life in him in, in the Gospels, right? So the woman at the well, there's water that you could have that you'll never be thirsty again. He's describing a relationship with himself, right? If you eat this food, this bread from heaven, and he points to himself, I am the true bread, you'll never be hungry again. The food is himself that he wants to fill us with for us to feast on. So with these woes, if we sort of like attach the woes to what does this look like in daily lived Christian life, I would summarize it like this. That Christ is calling us to enjoy the good things. Food is a good. He makes it grow in the ground. (laughs) To enjoy the good things of this life less so that we could have more appetite and room in our belly, as it were, for the good things of heaven. That's the dichotomy. Enjoy the good things of this life. The Bible is clear that it's a false teaching that would say, like, oh, food is bad, or this world is bad. These are good things in this world. But if we get full on them, then there's no room in our spiritual stomach left for the things of heaven. We are to enjoy, we're called to enjoy the good things of earth less, so we could enjoy the good things of heaven more, both now and in the next life. So, this is one of the reasons why fasting of some kind has always been a norm of just the culture of the church. And that today is, um, in the olden days, was called Septuagesima, which is a fancy way of saying there's three weeks left till Lent. So that we're even warming up. It's a season of preparation for the season of preparation, which is Lent. To say a fast is coming when we're all going to deny ourselves some food so that we're a bit less full. Why? Because we want to be tough or... No, because we just want to be hungry to have appetite left for the things of God. There's a great tradition of the church um, of uh, fasting on Sundays before Holy Communion. Now, we have a really early service, so that makes it... It's it's harder when church is at 11. Um, But to come hungry for a communion. St. Augustine says that that the body of Christ would be the very, the eternal and immortal food would be the first food of the day. It's a great picture of honoring our coming to the sacrament. And then ultimately, what the great, um, really matured, uh, the spiritual masters of the Christian life have described is that when we're living into this woe of Christ and the beatitude that accompanies it, like blessed are you who are hungry, that we would in every meal, leave a little bit unsatisfied. 
to stop before being physically full and satisfied. That, you know that feeling of like, and it's fine to have it on feast days, on Easter and Christmas, like we're, called, we're invited into feasting. Um, but after a meal, is that feeling of like, ah, to actually like not go there. And this is hard for me because I'm so culturally habituated to eating to the point of, oh, no, I just need a nap. Right? But to actually not. I want to leave a little bit of gnawing hunger so that I'm still hungry for what is unseen. This is what Jesus says, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. This fullness um, is not just about food, it's intertwined with our Lord's blessing and woe with regards to poverty and riches. I think, how do we, when we sort of apply um, all of what scripture says about money and riches and is a big complex picture and so to try and boil it down and I'd be happy to talk about this more if you're interested um, is I think simply to to fill ourselves with things less right that it's not the case of like God Christ is not calling us all to be destitute beggars but he is calling us to habits of self-denial. That, oh, I want to buy that thing, that would make my life more content and happy, and to sometimes stay that hand. And to say, well, I could buy it, I have the money to buy it, but I'm not going to. I'm actually going to create a little bit of discontent using that old broken version I've got at home, or whatever. To, to cultivate discontent in this life. It's a strange, it's very opposite to how we usually think about what our goal is in living, to be as comfortable and content as possible. But to actually make choices where it's like, I'm going to live with the annoying, slightly frustrating version so that my heart longs for heaven more. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. See how that would work with like purchasing? I'm not talking about necessary things like food and the heating bill. I'm talking about discretionary purchasing. To actually find contentment in intentional discontent. When you boil it all down, like what Christ is saying here is what the rest of the New Testament witness says, that's what I think this comes down to. So to be really clear, the great, the great danger of even preaching about what our Lord talks about many times, which is all, all of this is under the heading of self-denial, right? The great danger is to, and this is what the enemy would love to trick us with, is that what, if, you sell, if you deny yourself, you'll earn your salvation, Right? which is just to fall off of, to miss the gospel on the other side. We cannot earn our salvation. The feast has already been fully prepared and purchased for us with his own blood. In fact, the feast is his own blood. As he says, if you, don't, if you drink my blood, you will live forever. That's John chapter 6. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. The good news is that there is this feast, and you have been invited by name. It says in Ephesians 1, before the foundation of the world, you were called into salvation in Christ Jesus. So if we think of the metaphor of a feast, as it is the picture on, at the end of Revelation, right, this wedding feast, there's a seat with your name on it, like in fancy calligraphy, already like a fancy banquet, you didn't earn the feast. It was acquired entirely by the merits of Jesus' death on the cross for us. All we are called to do is just to come hungry. 
Right? Just don't show up to that feast so full you not even don't have any appetite for what's on the plate. That's, I think, what Christ is calling us to in this world. Woe to you who are full now, who are full now, for you will be hungry. So the exhortation is simply, come hungry. Come hungry to God by, how, by your practices of self-denial in your material life, food and things. And come hungry to Holy Communion, where we truly and sacramentally feast on him. Amen.